The other day I heard someone describe this past year as a year of mountain biking. And apparently if you're into road biking, if that's even what it's called, you can get on the road, do your route or loop and kind of check out mentally and zone out and kind of rest. And aside from traffic and fast cars, you're pretty safe. But with mountain biking, you can't do that. The mountain is literally trying to kill you. You could fall off a trail down the side of a cliff. You could miss a big rock and flip over your handlebars. You could get seriously injured, break a bone or even die. I tried mountain biking for about one month and I quit for this very reason. It was too stressful for me and it was not restful because you have to be fully engaged and aware of what's going on all around you and what you're doing every step of the way. You really have to concentrate on every step, every second when you are mountain biking. Sounds exhausting, right? That's a good metaphor for how the past 13 months have been. Every day, every step, you are constantly watching out for your safety, for the safety of others. And every day we see the dangers of our times. Every day there's change and disruption, a new decision to be made. There's a fresh, heartbreaking news report every hour, it seems. And it feels like we've been on a mountain biking marathon. And very few of us have the training and the stamina to do so. And I think that explains the weariness we all feel right now. I have not met the person who hasn't been disrupted, that hasn't faced some form of loss or fear or heartache or grief or sadness. Just about everyone I meet right now is weary. We are tired, either emotionally, spiritually, physically, or mentally. A lot of us just aren't used to the proverbial mountain biking that we have had to do this year. And if we're honest, I think we are winded. So lately, I've been acknowledging the fact that my soul is tired. I've been paying attention to the chronic weariness that I feel, not just physically in my body, but internally in my soul. And I keep coming back to the promise that Jesus gives, to come to him, all who are weary, and he will give rest. I've been chewing a lot on uh, my need for the good shepherd of my soul, and I've been meditating on and praying through the classic Psalm, Psalm 23. And as I do, I often come to this place because it's green and it's mostly quiet and it's the closest thing I know to a green pasture. There's even a quiet stream of water nearby and it serves as a Gethsemane of sorts for me. And some mornings, all I can do is walk around this place quoting Psalm 23 to myself, praying and asking God for strength for the day. I've been inspired to narrow my focus and study uh, Psalm 23 closely and just to narrow in on those six verses and not rush through it. And it feels right to share the good news of the Good Shepherd with you this Easter season. Uh, there's some great nuggets and lots of good news in Psalms 23. And it's probably the most famous and most quoted psalm ever. Um, it's been super helpful for me. And I am feeling my soul and my strength tended to by Jesus. And while still a little weary from this marathon, as is expected, I'm experiencing more of his rest, more of his comfort. And I'd love for you to experience and receive the same rest Jesus is giving me.
we began this year talking um, about Jesus as the great physician. And now it seems right that we look to him as the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. Jesus is our true pastor, and he is the bishop of our souls. So if you have a Bible, let's go to Psalms 23, or Psalm 23. I don't think it's plural. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hear the word of our Lord. As we do this for the next six weeks or so, we'll uh, focus on one or two verses at a time. We'll pull out a few things to hear the good news from. And uh, I encourage you to uh, turn on your spiritual radar and be attentive to where the Spirit highlights things for you. The Lord is my shepherd. And you could stop there. That's really good enough. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, the Word who became flesh, the maker of the mountains. It is He who is my shepherd. My parents aren't my shepherds. My friends aren't my shepherd. A celebrity isn't my shepherd. A podcast isn't my shepherd. Social media friends or followers or subscribers aren't my shepherd. A politician certainly isn't my shepherd. A news anchor isn't my shepherd. Even another pastor or another minister isn't my shepherd. I am not your shepherd. Uh, I didn't die for you. Uh, I love you, but... I don't think, uh, if it came to it, I don't think I would die on the cross for you. Um, I hope that is okay. Like, uh, these days I don't even want to go to church sometimes, and it's my job. I mean, uh, you know, I, if you know me, this isn't a surprise. I'm not the Christ. The Lord is your shepherd. And uh, don't put me and don't put any other person in the place that Jesus deserves and is worthy, and only he is capable to hold because anybody, including me, will disappoint you and fail you. And while I am a pastor and I am an, uh, an under-shepherd, uh, I often have to function as a shepherd of sorts, as a representative of Jesus to people. And, and there is something to ordain ministers and clergy that have been consecrated and set aside for a specific function and to be an example um, and all of that. But, but honestly... I'm still sheep. I put my pants on just like you do. I have not suddenly morphed into something different than you. At best, I'm a sheep with a cowbell on trying to make as much noise as possible as I go to Jesus, hoping you'll notice and go to Jesus with me. Or as someone once said, I'm just a poor beggar telling other poor beggars where to get fresh bread. The Lord is our shepherd. 
Jesus is our shepherd. Consider who your shepherd really is. I've got this great book called um, A Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23, and it's um, a actual shepherd who shepherds sheep, and he like breaks down all of the all the agrarian imagery that's in Psalms 23 that us modern Americans um, really don't don't get. And he describes this shepherd that we have, and it's just hard to improve on. I think it's impossible to improve on. So I'd love to just read you a page and let who Jesus is, who, let who our shepherd is really sink in. How amazing it is that individual men and women vehemently refuse and reject the claims of Christ on their lives. They fear that to acknowledge his ownership is to come under the rule of a tyrant. This is difficult to comprehend when one pauses to consider the character of Christ. Admittedly, there have been many false caricatures of this person, but an unbiased look at his life quickly reveals an individual of enormous compassion and incredible integrity. He was the most balanced and perhaps the most beloved being ever to enter the society of men. Though born amid the most disgusting surroundings, the member of a modest working family, he bore himself always with great dignity and assurance. Though he enjoyed no special advantages as a child, either in education or employment, his entire philosophy and outlook on life were the highest standards of human conduct ever set before mankind. Though he had no vast economic assets, political power, or military might, no other person ever made such an enormous impact on the world's history. Because of him, millions of people across almost 20 centuries of time have come into a life of decency and honor and noble conduct. Not only was he gentle and tender and true, but also righteous, stern as steel, and terribly tough on phony people. He was magnificent in his magnanimous spirit of forgiveness for fallen folk, but a terror to those who indulged in double talk or false pretenses. He came to set men free from their own sins, their own selves, their own fears. Those so liberated loved him with fierce loyalty. It is this one who insists that he was the good shepherd, the understanding shepherd, the concerned shepherd, who cares enough to seek out and save and restore lost men and women. He never hesitated to make it quite clear that when an individual once came under his management and control, there would be a certain new and unique relationship between him and them. There would be something very special about belonging to this particular shepherd. There would be a distinct mark upon the man or woman that differentiated him or her from the rest of the crowd. The Lord is our shepherd, and that is a shepherd worth following. The Lord is my shepherd. That implies that I, you and I, are sheep. And of all the animals in the Bible, sheep is the most common metaphor attributed to God's people. And in case you didn't know much about sheep, it isn't flattering. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are stubborn. Sheep are social animals, which is good, but they have lots of fear and they have a mass mind and a massive mob instinct. If one sheep gets frightened and takes off, all the surrounding sheep get frightened and run off without thinking of what they're afraid of. Have you ever done that? Have you ever noticed someone freaking out and you start freaking out and you don't know why, but if they're afraid, you're afraid. If they're anxious, you're anxious. If they're angry, you're angry. And it's that mob mentality that sheep have and that we have. Sheep are also timid. Sheep are slow. 
much slower than wolves, about half the speed of wolves actually, which is one reason why wolves dominate sheep. Sheep are vulnerable. Sheep are easy prey for wolves or dogs. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep don't have claws. Sheep are top-heavy and clumsy and can fall over easy. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm a sheep, and I need a shepherd to lead me, provide for me, protect me, tend to me. That's how the Bible portrays us. You know, we tend to think much of ourselves. We carry around a lot of pride and arrogance and self-importance. And look at my Instagram. Did you see my opinion I posted on, posted on Facebook? Look at me. I'm important. I'm woke. I'm progressive. Or I'm conservative. Or I'm in the know. Sheep. The Bible says you're a sheep. You're stubborn. You're dumb. You're vulnerable. You can't defend yourself. You're slow. <laughs> Welcome. I hope you're feeling loved right now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another translation says, I have all that I need. And I, I love that translation. Some interpret uh, that as, I have everything on my wish list and the Lord is my Santa Claus. No, no, no. I shall not want has nothing to do with material wants. It means the Lord is your shepherd. He is what matters. Therefore, there is no reason to want. If you have Jesus leading you, providing for you, protecting you, you literally have all that you need. I shall not want is about deep soul contentment. When Jesus is your leader, when Jesus is in charge, when he is your shepherd, you have all that you truly need and you have the real reason to be content. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is the part of the verse that speaks the most to me right now. I'm weary. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm afraid. I'm thirsty. It's been a long year. And Jesus, he doesn't let me lie down. He makes me lie down. There's a reason why in the Ten Commandments, the command for Sabbath is the longest right? We need to be made to rest. We need to be made to Sabbath. We need to be made to lie down. I have this image of a shepherd uh, lovingly hugging and quasi-wrestling the sheep down to the ground so it'll be forced to rest. Jesus makes me lie down. Not in the dirt, but in green pastures where there's trains, <laughs> where it's soft, where it's lush, where I can eat. Jesus doesn't just make me lie down. He makes it possible for me to lie down. One of the things I've, I've learned is that sheep need four things to lie down. If any of the four things aren't met, they won't rest. Uh, first, a sheep needs to be free from fear. If there's a perceived threat, the sheep is on alert. Often the presence of the shepherd alone will calm the flock and alleviate the fear of a wolf or a dog. The second thing that sheep need is peace. They're social. If there's friction in the flock, they won't lie down. And so the shepherd makes sure that the sheep are getting along and not fighting. The third thing that sheep need is freedom from aggravation. If there's a bug or a pest or a parasite afflicting them and inflicting the sheep, they won't rest. So the shepherd needs to address the insects, the bugs, the pests that are literally bugging them in order for them to lie down. And fourth, 
If the sheep is hungry, it won't lie down in contentment and rest. And so when King David, who wrote Psalm 23, said, the Lord is my shepherd, he makes me lie down. He's referring to the actual shepherding work of removing fear, removing friction and strife, removing aggravation, anything that is bugging the sheep, and removing hunger. That's how a shepherd makes sheep lie down in green pastures. There's also the fact that green pastures don't just happen by accident. Often a shepherd needs to go ahead where he wants to take the flock and he needs to plow the field, remove rocks and debris, irrigate, at times plant seeds. The shepherd sometimes has to make green pastures in order to then make sheep lie down on them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads the sheep to quiet streams. Why quiet streams? It's simple. If a sheep is near a raging stream with rapids and a strong current, the sound of that water will attract them. And it wouldn't be long for one of the sheep to, want to wander over there in curiosity to see what the noise is all about. And if they're thirsty, they'll dip their heads in to get a drink of water. And because they're top-heavy animals, probably standing on an uneven bank with rocks or uh, tree limbs or things like that, mud, they could easily trip, lose their balance, fall into raging wa water. They have a coat of wool. What happens? The wool soaks up the water. They become heavy, and they start to drown and float away upside down in the river as the current takes them away in a matter of seconds. What well, could be worse? Well, remember how sheep are kind of dumb and social? If one sheep thinks the sound of rushing water is interesting, many others could follow. And if a shepherd isn't wise and he leads a flock to a stream that is loud and raging, within a matter of minutes, his entire flock could be in the river, drowning upside down while, take, while uh, being taken downstream by the current. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, not raging waters, not dangerous waters, not waters to drown in, quiet waters. And as I share that with you, is the Lord your shepherd? Is he truly the leader, the manager, the captain, the Lord? your God? Is he your shepherd? Or are you looking to other people, things, for shepherding? Have you humbly acknowledged that you are more like a sheep than you care to admit, and so am I? But do you want to be content with Jesus? Are you trying to play the Jesus plus fill-in-the-blank game, where you're like, I'll take Jesus, but I really need this neighborhood to live in, or I need this city to live in, or I need this job, or I need this, uh, you know, perfect family, or I need this whatever. Have you, are you content with just Jesus being your shepherd, or are you trying to do the bad math equation, which is Jesus plus whatever? Uh, are you weary? Are you tired? Have you allowed Jesus to make you lie down? Have you been Sabbathing? Have you been taking care of yourself? Will you let Jesus make you lie down?
Is there fear that needs to be addressed? Is there friction within your flock? Is there strife that is keeping you from truly lying down? Is there something bugging you? Is there something pestering you that needs to be addressed? Are you hungry and thirsty? Do you need his daily provision? Or have you been hanging out, dipping your head in raging waters, where you feel like you're about to drown and get pulled away by the current? There's so much here in just these first few verses for you to reflect on who Jesus is to you and how content you are, how afraid you are, how hungry you are, or how much strife is around you. There's so much there that I would just love to ask you, where is the Lord, your shepherd, meeting you right now as I share this with you? He loves you. He offers rest for you. He offers protection for you. He is worth following. In 1 Peter 2, uh, Peter says, that Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. When John the Baptist saw Jesus walking by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, the Lamb, the pure, innocent, Lamb of God, who takes away my sin and takes away your sin. That Lamb of God is also the great shepherd of our souls. If you haven't trusted in Him for the forgiveness of your sins, if you haven't trusted in Him for the healing of your soul, if you haven't trusted in Him for your rest and your contentment and your protection, I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, no matter how you are, to look at your shepherd to invite his presence and to give it a try, give it a go. See how he can actually bring the rest to your life that you desire. Abba Father, thank you for loving us as your children. Thank you for loving us even when we as sheep have gone astray and for sending your son our great shepherd, the author and perfecter of our faith, to come and to put on our flesh and to be what we couldn't be and to pay the price that we couldn't pay. Jesus, I ask right now for you to meet my friends, even those I haven't even met yet, where they are. Meet them at the starting line of their reality. And reveal yourself to them. Reveal your good shepherd heart to them. Where there is fear, Lord, I pray you would remove it. Where there is strife and aggravation and friction, I pray you would bring peace. Where there are things bugging them, remove the pests. And Lord, for those who are hungry, deep, 
deep down. Lord, I pray you would bring your living water and your bread of life to satisfy that. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We welcome you in this moment. We welcome you in our lives, in our community. And in this season of Easter, we pray that you would reveal to us more of who our Good Shepherd is. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.